<laughs> Listen to that. That's a beautiful sound. Awesome. Well, here we are, 2018, the first Sunday of the year. I can't believe it. I feel like we just did this like three weeks ago, right? We just anointed you all. But it's been 12 months and here we are again, 2018. And, you know, the scripture I want us to open with is in Psalm 65. And it says, you crown the year with goodness. Do you believe that this morning? You crown the year with goodness and your paths drip with abundance. What a scripture for the beginning of the year. Will you take that and receive that, that he's crowning your year with goodness and if you walk in his path, it will drip with abundance. How awesome is that? We serve an amazing, generous, faithful God and he's alive and well uh, this morning in 2018. And so we have our anointing with oil service. And um, it's kind of an Old Testament ritual that started in the Old Testament. So there's a lot of debate as to whether or not we should even do it. And um, we do do it every year. And we do it as a symbolic thing. We do it as a moment of recalibration. We do it as a moment of awareness, of a moment of leaning in. We do it not because we have to or we're traditional or religious. We do it because... It's just a symbol. It's symbolic. It's a moment we take to lean in again. And right through the scripture, both Old and New Testament, oil represented the Spirit of God. That's what it represents. Oil represents the Holy Spirit. And so right through the Bible, we see people, places, and things anointed with oil. We can see so many accounts of people who are anointed with oil to be kings, to be priests in the Old Testament. We see um, things and places be anointed, altars and, and objects. We see hands and feet and eyes and lips and all sorts of things being anointed. And there are so many different ways that it's displayed. But one thing is consistent across the board is that the oil represents the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God is something that blesses us. The Spirit of God is something that enables us. The Spirit of God is something that increases our capacity and enables us. It's His Spirit that comes onto us for a purpose. And so the title of my message this morning is The Purpose of the Anointing. And we can't do it justice. Sam and I have got half an hour each today. I've got half an hour this morning. Sam's got half an hour tonight to teach you what the anointing is and to get our heads around it, but it's enormous. We can't do it justice. But today I just want to share the three purposes, just three of the many purposes of the anointing. And so we see it right through the Old and New Testament. So in the Old Testament, probably the most common anointing you see is when Aaron was anointed as the great high priest over God's people. So God gives instructions in Leviticus for Aaron to be anointed. And so Aaron was anointed as the priest. And the priest would behave on behalf of the people of God. He was the middleman between you and God, me and God. We see kings get anointed. You'll probably remember that Samuel anointed Saul and then Saul messed up and so Samuel anointed David and and the common thing is the breaking of oil over someone to anoint them for a position, for a purpose. 
we see it right through. And then in the New Testament, we see Jesus comes. And the word Christ, which was not translated, it remained the word Christ, is an ancient word that literally means the anointed one. So we see Jesus come as the anointed one. And right through the scriptures in the New Testament, we read that he now is our great high priest. So Aaron and the order of the Levitical priesthood and, and all the priests in the Old Testament, are you with me? Are you with me still? They're all, I guess, fulfilled in Jesus Christ, the anointed one, and we're now in Christ, Scripture says. We're in Christ. So that means we're anointed, which is why many people say, well, it's actually pointless that you would do an anointing with oil service because in Christ you're already anointed. And I agree. I agree, except we're sometimes a little bit slow on the uptake, right? Yeah. And sometimes we just need these symbolic emblems to remind us. Yeah. And that's what we're doing today. We are in Christ. 1 Corinthians 6.19 Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, you are not your own? So in the Old Testament, before Jesus, we needed priests, we needed churches, we needed big, big temples and sacrifices and traditions. But in Jesus, now that spirit dwells in us and we are walking, talking temples of the Holy Spirit. It goes on in Peter and it tells us that we are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. You actually don't need me. You don't need Sam if we're going to look at it in Old Testament terms, what we need are leaders who will gather us and inspire us and lead us forward. But you, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of you. You carry him everywhere you go. You're the one that has him dwelling on the inside of you. That spirit of God, the anointing in Christ, the anointed one, you are anointed. So now we don't need a priest. It's up to us. I love it. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. He calls us kings and priests in Christ, in Jesus. If we are in him, we think like him. We think like him. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says that we have the mind of Christ. For some of us here, we need to take a hold of that because you struggle in the area of your mind. You need to know that in Christ, you have the mind of Christ. If we're in him, we love like him because God is love. God himself is love. One of the most famous passages of scripture is 1 Corinthians 13 that tells us all about love. It tells us we can do all sorts of things in the name of God and we can do all sorts of impressive things in our abilities, but without love, we're nothing. In 1 Corinthians 13, let me read it. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I've become sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. Anyone got small children and dread like when someone buys them a musical instrument? Right? So you can talk eloquently and beautifully, but without love, you sound like that. You're annoying. You're irritating. No one wants to listen to you. And although I may have the gift of prophecy 
and understand all the mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith and can remove mountains, whoa, right? But I've got, don't have love, then I'm nothing. I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and give my body to be burned as a martyr, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Huge. Huge. Verse 8, love never fails. Love never fails. Verse 13, and now abide in faith, hope, and love. Let that be a banner for your year. Abide in faith, hope, and love these three, but the greatest of these is love. When we're in Christ, we love like him. And I would beg to argue that he will only anoint the ones who walk in love. Because when we're in him, we're in love. We love like him. Psalm 133, I love this. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when the brethren, when you and I dwell together in unity. It's like precious oil on the head running down the beard of Aaron and to the edge of his garments. And God talks about when we're in him, we love. We love this unity, this bond that brings us all together. And it starts at the head and it goes to the garments and often people will say, well, it starts at the top and it flows down. But you know what? It also means you love the ones who are easy to love and the ones who are not so easy to love. It flows right through. If you are in him, you love like him. You love like him. And so his anointing rests on those who outwork their lives from a place of love. And because we're in him, we love like him. So the three purposes of the anointing, just three, and there are many. There are many. But the three that stood out to me as I was preparing for this moment in our church family, as I sensed where we're at right now, I wanted to bring these three. And the first one is the countenance. The countenance. You know, there's the countenance, which means your face. We anoint our faces. We anoint our heads. And, you know, it speaks a lot about this in both, both the Old and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, we see examples like with Ruth, beautiful Ruth who was hard done by. Her and her mother-in-law lost everything. And in a culture where women who had lost everything uh, was not a favorable situation, her mother-in-law Naomi says to her, you know what, cheer up, sweetheart. Anoint your face with oil and go to Boaz. So what it says, this countenance thing, is when we anoint ourselves with oil, we, no matter how hard done by we may have been in life, (laughs) hello, When we're anointed with oil, something changes. Our countenance changes. And we can approach our future with hope and joy, with an open face and an expectant attitude. The countenance changes when the anointing is on us. No matter what we've been through and no matter what we might even be facing in this very moment, in the anointing, when we understand we're anointed, our countenance changes. Jesus spoke about it. Jesus spoke about it. He said, you know what, when you're fasting, because in traditional times, the traditional method of fasting was that you looked awful, you didn't clean yourself, you like, were depressed and starving and everyone knew that you were fasting. But Jesus says, hey, you, you're of a new order. When you fast, anoint your face with oil. Be upbeat, 
so that no one knows what you're going through. Because the Lord who sees in private will bless in the open. Jesus himself said, hey, if you anoint yourself with oil, your countenance changes. And all those things that are going on, let God deal with them in the background of your life. We see these amazing passages about the countenance. It's incredible. Isaiah 10, 27. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. The anointing breaks oppression and a spirit of heaviness. Is that for you this morning? Is that for you? The anointing breaks oppression. It says it right there. And you either believe the infallible word of God in its entirety or not. Because this morning, we're going to anoint you with oil. And I'm believing, and I've been praying for you this week. And I've been praying that when you get anointed with oil, that oppression will be broken off your life. A spirit of depression, a spirit of anxiety, a spirit of fear, a spirit of bitterness, of unforgiveness, of hurt, of regret, of shame will be broken off your life. The anointing breaks the yoke. The anointing breaks the yoke. It's so beautiful. Psalm 23 verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Do you know what? It doesn't say you remove me from that situation. It says right in the middle of that situation, you set a banquet before me, my cup runs over. It tells us in Psalm 45 verse 7, you love righteousness and hate wickedness, he's saying to you. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of depression. I'm sorry? He's anointed you with what? The oil of gladness. The oil of joy. The oil of joy. And he does it more than any of your companions around you. He anoints us. Our countenance changes. Oppression is broken off our lives. When we understand we're anointed in the Holy Spirit, everything about us changes. Everything about us changes. The countenance of an anointed person is fresh, upbeat, victorious, and hope-filled. The anointing breaks oppression, and I believe that yokes will be destroyed this morning. And not just for this morning, but we'll walk in that revelation and the diligence of that revelation into 2018. Amen? So the first purpose is our countenance, the anointing for the countenance that changes. We understand it breaks oppression because it's the oil of joy. It's the oil of gladness. In him, there is freedom and fullness of joy. Amen? Number two, anointing for the body, for healing. Mark 6, Jesus sends out his 12 disciples. This is the New Testament. He sends out his 12 after he spent some time training them. And this is what it says. So they went out, and picture yourself being sent out. So you went out and preached that people should repent. And you cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Very quiet in here. Recently, at the end of a service, 
Um, I was just hanging around like I do after the service and I had this young adult girl come up to me and asked me to pray for two situations in her life and one of them was related to work and the other one was related to an ongoing and chronic back issue that she'd had. A young woman, early to mid-twenties, several surgeries and so I said, sure. So we prayed and um, she's in chronic pain all the time all the time, even sitting in a service is painful. So she just asked me to pray, and she's standing in front of me. We agreed in prayer, and, after, and I just prayed simply the way that you do. You don't need to pray big, flamboyant, loud, impressive prayers. You just pray knowing who you are, knowing you're in the anointing, knowing what you carry, knowing who's dwelling on the inside of you. Come into agreement with that. And so we prayed, and, and when we finished, she's was like she'd seen a ghost. She said, the pain's completely gone. In James verse five, uh, chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, is anyone sick among you? Let him call the elders of the church and let, him pray, let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Oh, God, this morning, we're just believing for healing. Amen? And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed any sins, he will be forgiven. It's the power of the anointing on the body for healing. I know a gentleman who had a revelation of this scripture when he was a brand new Christian. And, you know, the thing is, I'll let you in on a secret. When you become a Christian... Life usually gets harder. Warning. Anyone else testify to that? Because all hell breaks loose against your decision. Hello. You were not a threat until you decided to follow Jesus. Right? And so this gentleman I know became a Christian, was made redundant, and got a cancer diagnosis. I was like, God, this really isn't helping your case right now. And so as a new Christian, I don't know about you, but you know, sometimes as a more mature Christian, you take everything with a grain of salt, and you're like, yeah, I tried that, didn't work last time. But new Christians are like, really? The Bible says that? I'm going to believe it. Yeah. Right? So James 5 says, if anyone's sick, just go to the church leaders and be anointed with oil, and you'll be healed. So he rocks up with his cancer diagnosis to the leaders of the church, and he goes, uh, it says here in James 5, if you pray for me, I'm going to be healed. Right? Right? Come on. So they're like, okay. And they prayed for him and he gets healed. Come on. Yes. It's powerful. And I'm believing this morning that that's our portion. I want to ask you when was the last time someone you prayed for got healed? Maybe the question should be when was the last time you prayed for someone? Because when you know what you're carrying, this is our norm. Yeah, yeah. This is our norm. Yes, it is. To pray for people and see them recover in life groups. You lay hands on each other and believe. Over coffee, you believe for one another. When someone tells you they're going through something, don't just give them the throwaway, I'll pray for you. Actually stop and pray for them there and then. It's a novel idea, isn't it? 
to actually stop and go, I'm in the anointing, I'm in Christ, I carry the presence of God, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me, I know who I am, I'm going to pray and believe that God will move and that healing will take place. And so this morning when you come out to be anointed with oil, I really believe that many will receive healing this morning. Come with that faith. Know that people in both the Old and the New Testament were anointed with oil and were healed. They received their healing. Come expectant for miracles. The scripture tells us that signs and wonders follow those who believe. Are signs and wonders following you? Number three, the weaponry. I love this. And to be honest, I only just learnt this this week. Isaiah 21, verse 5, amazing passage of scripture. Prepare the table, set a watchman in the tower, eat and drink, arise, princes, anoint the shield. And as I looked into it, I discovered that they used to anoint weapons for battle. They used to anoint weapons for battle. They would come, they would... God had called them to a special mission or task and they would bring their shields and their weapons in and anoint them with oil, with the Spirit of God. What's in your hand that you need to be anointed in today? What is it that God's given you to fight your battle? It's a commissioning and it's the spiritual gifts. You know, our weapons today are not natural weapons. I don't know if you're going to go home and pick up a big brass shield. We don't do that. Our weapons now are spiritual weapons. Our battle is not a natural battle. It's a spiritual battle. And many of us can testify whether we believe in Jesus or not, that there's something going on in the background of our lives all the time. There's this awareness we have that there's more going on than just the tangible and just the visible. Because our battle is a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual fight. And so we have spiritual weapons. The New Testament in Galatians and Corinthians talks about the gifts of the Spirit. That when you come into the Spirit, He anoints you. He anoints you with spiritual gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says, Manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of your individual selfish purpose. No, for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through that same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and another the gift of healing by the same Spirit, and another the working of miracles, to another prophecy and discerning of spirits and different tongues and the interpretation of tongues. But the one and the same Spirit works in all these things, distributing to them each one individually as He wills. In Galatians, it talks about the gift of teaching, leadership, pastoring, talks about all sorts of leadership gifts. It talks about a mercy gift, a generosity gift. It talks about all the gifts that you step into. And I encourage you, I encourage you to do your own study. Be a self-feeding Christian. A Christian that does their own research during the week. What are the spiritual gifts? If I'm in Christ, I need to be aware of what my spiritual gifts are. Because they're your weapons. 
they're your weapons. And one of the purposes of the anointing is to anoint the weaponry, to anoint the thing that God has blessed you with so it will be effective. So His Spirit will be on it to bring change in your environment. Is it your calling or is it the cause of Christ? Because many of us, we desire to know what our spiritual gifts are. We desire to know what our talents are, what our calling is, and it's a selfish motive. Your calling is all about you, but the cause is all about Christ. And when you understand that you've been equipped with things for the greater purpose than your own satisfaction, your own fulfillment, suddenly your life takes on a greater meaning. And you're anointed in that purpose. So what's it for? What is the ultimate purpose of the anointing? Well, Isaiah 61 was the passage that Jesus chose to read out in his first public address in Luke 4. This is why we are anointed. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives, the opening of prison doors to those who are bound, and to accept, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's why we're anointed. We're anointed to bring good news to the world around us. You are gifted by the Spirit, but the purpose is always for others. Are you living your life for others? I remember when I was just brand new in ministry, and brand new in preaching. This is something I never thought I would ever do and never actually wanted to do and shied away from. But it was a gift that my leaders identified on my life. And so reluctantly I would fulfill the roster and I'd get up every time shaking, nauseous. And I decided, well, I, I got a fresh revelation of the parable of the talents and I didn't wanna be the wicked, lazy servant that just hid it in the ground and did nothing with it. If this was something God had put on my life, I would be diligent in developing it. So I got someone to mentor me and he spoke to me about the anointing and he spoke to me about my nerves and, and my flesh that was warring against this thing that God wanted me to do because that's what it will do. It will war against you and give you every reason not to do it. And he spoke to me about the anointing that breaks oppression, that lifts us into joy, that empowers us, that goes before us, that makes a way for us, that it's actually, it's actually not about us, it's about His Spirit on us. Because many of us read it and go, well, the Spirit of the Lord's upon me. When actually it should be the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Our focus needs to change. It's actually about His Spirit on us. And, and, and my mentor taught me to visualize myself putting on the anointing because there's another picture for the anointing, which is the mantle. And sometimes in the Old Testament, that was a cloak, it was a jacket. So it's the oil or, or a mantle. And so he taught me in the spirit between the front row and the pulpit, as I'm walking up to put on my anointing. And when I put that on, something would come over me and I was suddenly able to facilitate the spirit of God. I was suddenly more aware of what he was empowering me to do. It became less about me and all about what was on me. The anointing on your weaponry enables you to do what he's called you 
to do. And the truth is this, church, you are also preaching every day of your life from the platform of your own life. To preach good news to the people in your workplace and your family, to heal the brokenhearted, your life preaches. Your life, you are anointed to break bondages off people's lives to speak God's timing into situations. Many of you are in jobs today that you prayed for once. Many of you prayed for a job and God gave you two or more opportunities that you got to pick from. Have you ever asked yourself why you're in that job? Many of you not only have a job from God that He opened the doors for, but he also gave you the gifts that you have to function in that job. He's not impressed if you're an accountant that you think in numbers. He's like, whoa, that's amazing that you can do that. He actually gave you that skill set. He's not impressed that you can use your gifts. He gave you your gifts for a purpose and he opened doors into that job for a purpose. And once you celebrated God for the provision of your job, but now you hardly even make it there on time. Have you ever asked yourself why you're in that place? Why you have the gifts you have? Well, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news, to break bondages, to open prison doors, to speak the acceptable year of the Lord. Maybe, just maybe, God has put the church in the earth to make a difference in the earth. Maybe, just maybe, he's called you to be an engineer, a teacher, a doctor, a stay-at-home mum, a stay-at-home dad. Maybe he's called you to do whatever it is that you're doing to bring change into that sector. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me for a purpose, the purpose of the anointing, to transform those around us. It's powerful. It's powerful. In 1 John 2, 27. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you don't need anyone to teach you. You don't need to leave it up to anyone else to do what God has called you to do because it's in you. But the same anointing that teaches you concerning all things. And that's the thing is the Holy Spirit witnesses to us and teaches us. We know what's on the inside of us. One of the traits of the Holy Spirit is that He witnesses to us. If we will just silence ourselves long enough, He will teach us. You don't need to go running to every single person. He witnesses to us. He's alive and well in us. It's true, it is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will abide in Him. And so just like Jesus, we are in Him and His anointing is upon us. In Acts 38, it reminds us that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, with power, and he went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil, and God was with him. Powerful. So I believe that today, as we anoint people, that some of you are going to receive the gifts of the Spirit. Some of you are going to be reminded of your spiritual gifts. Some of you are going to be anointed on those weapons. You're going to receive what I want to call a commissioning. 
a commissioning for your year. Maybe the Holy Spirit has just spoken to you and opened up a fresh revelation about the workplace you go to every day. So we're going to do our anointing with oil service. I'll invite Sam up. And, um, and I'm believing specifically, not just to anoint our crown and our year, to crown our year with goodness, but I'm believing specifically that it will break oppression because it is the oil of joy, that it will bring healing, and that it will commission us as we anoint our weapons this morning, as we go into this year. But before we do that, would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? And I want to put out an invitation this morning to be in Christ. It may be a foreign concept for you, being in Christ. Maybe you've never allowed yourself to come into a place where Jesus becomes the Lord and Savior of your life. Maybe you did once and you've taken control back and you're no longer with Him in relationship. And you know, some Sometimes we come into these amazing opportune moments and it happened for me once too where someone realized what they were anointed to do and they spoke into my situation and they preached good news to the poor, to me. And in that moment, I realized it was the acceptable year of the Lord for me. And in that moment, I responded and I made Jesus the Lord and Savior of my life and it was the very best decision I have ever made. And since then, I have seen the oil of joy over my life in circumstances. I have personally seen healing in circumstances. And I finally understood the commissioning and the call and the anointing on my life. And so this morning, if that's you and you want to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, while no one's looking around and every head is bowed, I'm going to count to three and I'd love for you to raise your hand just so that I know who I'm praying with. I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out. It's just a symbol between you and God and me that you're receiving him and you're going to walk into who he is and what he has for you. So as I count to three, I'd love for you to raise your hand. One, friend, he loves you and he cares for you. Two, thank you, I already see your hand. Two, he's not angry at you. He loves you. He's not disappointed. Thank you. Hands going up everywhere. Three, if that's you, raise your hand. Awesome. Yes, 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 beautiful. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're in this place. I thank you that we can come into your presence. I thank you that you've already witnessed to these ones and you've said, I love you. I have more for you. Come out of what you're in and step into what I have. And so this morning, I thank you for that beautiful gift of salvation, that we can come into who you are, Jesus, that we can be in you. And so this morning, I thank you for a repentant heart. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. I thank you for peace and faith and love, Lord God. And this morning, I thank you that you adopt us as your children, that these ones who have received you are now children of the most high God. And I pray this morning for a hedge of protection around about them. I thank you for a new day and a new year and a new journey. We celebrate with heaven this morning. We receive you as our Lord and Saviour, in Jesus' mighty name. Let's give them a round of applause. Well done. Awesome. I saw many, many, many hands, and I just want to congratulate you on a really awesome decision, the best decision you can make in this lifetime, actually. And so because it's so important, we want to help you on that journey. Don't do it alone. 
okay? Because there is a thief that wants to steal what you've just realized, who wants to rain on your parade. And Monday cometh, all right? Tomorrow comes. And so we want to do this with you. So I encourage you, if you made that decision, make sure you go to the yes bar on the way out and say hi to our team there. We'll get, we'll get you connected, answer any questions you might have. We'd love to give you a Bible and just set you on this path. Amen. Let's give them another round of applause. Awesome. Awesome. Sam, what are we doing now? Thanks, Carolina. Well, we're going to move into the anointing of oil side of our service. But uh, before we do that, we really want to um, just uh, thank a couple in our church that have been here for the last probably um, nearly five years. Um, that have come up and uh, they felt called to come up and um, oversee and run our youth ministries. Can I ask Josh and Esther to come up here? We just want to thank this couple. And so after, I don't know, five years, they've decided to move into the next season of their life. And uh, they're heading down to our other location at Carindale down there. And uh, they're moving into their future in multimedia and the things of yet to come. And so we just want to honour and thank them. So can we just stand and just honour them? Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Esther. And I say this all the time. When they, when they came here, I think they had eight kids in the youth ministry. And then within the first week, he had none. Um, but now they see this place just packed full of young people um, over and over again, hearing the gospel, um, connecting with God and salvations. Like I think Carolina the other day said that we had 164 salvations and then when it came up on screen, we'd forgot to add youth. And so that just bumped it up to 300 and something. But, uh, you know, uh, in our house, we love, we think generationally. It's because I believe this is that God has called generations to stand together and declare the Word of God. And we strongly believe in generations. And so we want to thank you guys. And we've just got a little gift that we want to give you guys. And just thank you and honour you for your token. So right now, how about we just lift our hands and we pray for Josh and Esther. Come on, Father God, right now we thank you for their diligence. We thank you for their heart to serve you, Father God. And right now, I, I know that as they move into their next seasons, more lives are going to be influenced and touched for you, Father God. Lord, that the call burns deep within their life, Father, that their words that they speak will penetrate very hearts of individuals, Father God. Right now, as a family, Father, we pray for a blessing over each and every one of them, Father. Come on, favour and blessing beyond their years, wisdom, Lord God, we thank you. We love them. We love them in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. So, so that stay standing. So that means that we're not without youth pastors. Um, we've had Cam and Amanda take up the call. Uh, if Cam and Amanda can come up, they're gonna they're gonna take on the call of overseeing and running our youth ministry and. If you don't know Cam and Amanda, Cam, Cam makes great coffees. Everyone will testify. Amen. He's everyone's energizer. Uh, but also to Amanda as a teacher as well. 
And uh, so they're going to oversee the youth ministry. They've had some transition period. They've been involved in youth in our youth ministry for some time now, running our Young Creative. And Josh and Esther, come back up here, and we're going to pray, and we're going to anoint these guys. Yeah. It's like get on and off. We're going to anoint these guys um, to take on. So let's anoint these guys first up. So if we've got some oil there, that'd be great. out your hands and believe with us. These are our new youth pastors. days generations will stand together and declare the word of God right now we're going to come into our anointing of oil service and anointing of oil part of the service and I'd love for the leaders and those that have been anointed to come and stand up the front and so what we're going to do is we're going to just worship God and just in this moment we're going to ask you as a church is that right now just to walk out of the aisles and come down and and just be anointed with oil and be prayed over for this year be prayed over for this moment. And, and whether it's for those things that Carolina spoke about, is that some of us will be commissioned into this year, we'll, we'll be commissioned our gifts. Others will receive healing. Others, you know, depression will be lifted. Whatever that is today, I pray that the Spirit knows. I know that the Spirit knows. And that as we do come out, He knows, God knows what's best for us as well. And we might be believing and praying for something else, but God, I know, will do something else as well. So this morning, let's just worship God. And when you're ready, just come out of the aisles. How about we just start from the front and just walk through to the back. Thanks, Jared. Sun comes up, it's a new day. 
time to sing this song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. And we declare, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Sing for yourself, sing for your family. Sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I will worship your Sing for every person in this room. Our strength is in our numbers here. Yes, we worship you, God. Like never before. Oh, my soul, I worship your holy name. Oh, yeah. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Oh, my soul, I worship his holy make sure you maybe come fill out this section but you know service is over you're welcome to grow, grab a coffee or get some lunch but I really feel you know we're just going to stay in this atmosphere of worship I'm sure the worship team won't mind hanging around for a bit and just go the extra mile just press in a little bit more you know Bible says my house will be called a house of prayer do you need to come out do you need to get on your knees again do you need to lift your hands in faith and declare the word of these the words of these songs Maybe just go one step further than you do every other Sunday this morning. All right, we're not rushing. We've got time. We'll make room for you to get your breakthrough, for you to press through. Amen. So you are welcome to go, but you're more than welcome to stay in this atmosphere this morning.
Bersama Masuk 